Welcome to the show that's been 18 months in the making. <laughs> we are continuing our journey through the Fable comic universe that began with Volume 1 back a long time ago in Episode 26. Mm. In that episode we went into more detail about the beginnings and history of Fable, so if you're a new listener, then it might be advisable to listen to that episode and then come back and rejoin us. So, Also, spoilers. Yes. Um, because, well, this... Volume two is a direct follow-on from Volume One. Yeah, there will be, like Max says, there will be followers. So the few that have pres- finally persevered and survived a long journey, and I'd like to say a big hello to Mark, Big Bad Wolf Hammer. Hello. And Nick Huntsman Jones. Hello. So, Volume Two is entitled Animal Farm. It's another five-part story, covering it went from issue six to number ten. Mm. Um, follow straight after volume one and we'll, what we'll do we'll give a, f- a small synopsis of each issue and then we'll talk about the individual issues in more detail so without further ado let's dive into volume two okay so um, following on from the end of the first uh, book the first series of stories this is kind of set up as a little bit of a let the dust settle from the events of the first book but that doesn't really happen um, so as animal farm opens uh, rose red snow white and colin the pig are headed up to the farm in an old truck uh, rose red's been sentenced to community service for her schemes in the first volume um, snow's determined to try and patch the feed with her sister after all that's happened and colin the pig doesn't want to be shipped back to the farm but he keeps escaping so he's got to go back um, when they arrive, though, things aren't looking good. Uh, there's bullet shell casings scattered all about the farmland. Um, Snow uh, accidentally bursts in on a revolutionary meeting, um, and the official head of the farm, Wayland Smith, is missing. Uh, as it turns out, two of the other th- the three little pigs are, um, are... They're trying to claim that the meeting that they have is because they're return activists and they want to go back to the homeland and take them back from the adversary, but that's... It's pretty clear that's not the case, uh, and that's not what the meeting in the barn was about. Um, Snow doesn't buy it, uh, and Rose knows what's up. She's smarter than her sister has given her credit for. But then trouble becomes very clear when, and this was a proper gut punch right at the very end of the book, uh, of of the uh, the issue, they find Colin's severed head up on on a stake. Hmm. I really liked Colin as a character. I was gutted when he died. (laughs) Oh, I 100% agree. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we've been with him since. I mean, the first time I've heard Fables was playing through the game. Yeah, Telltale likewise. Game. So was, yeah, same here. It was voiced really well in there, and written really well, mm-hmm. and then he was it was kept popping up in all the other issues, didn't it? In the front cover. Yeah, if you remember one to five, and he was like a mainstay, part of Bigby's almost like background character. Mm. And this issue, when we find out. But it's not just the farm he doesn't want to go back to. It's because he had a mission to do hmm. in Fable Town. Well, all the way through, like the first book, um, Colin was almost like the voice of Bigby's guilt. You know, he was he was the one who would always be bringing up. Um, well, apart from the stuff with the the woodsman, but um, bringing up a lot of the stuff uh, from Bigby's past to. To make him feel guilty, mostly because he didn't want to be sent back to the farm, but um, he added that sort of element to Bigby's character, uh, and uh, yeah, he was just kind of like mischievous and 
little bit of a rascal. Yeah, the chain-smoking, foul-mouthed little prick. <laughs> and I, yeah, he was. And I loved him. But, yeah. but there was no hint of it what he was meant to do, was it? It was just like, he just loved lounging about on the sofa. Yeah. Taking a mick, really, out of Bigby. Yeah. Yeah. And what his mission was, was to copy a key um, from the woodland offices mm-hmm. and try and find supporters for the revolution. Yeah. Yeah, this, there's a, this is a very... Um, uh, it's very Orwell with extra murder, this whole mm. series of books. Lots of murder. Yeah. Yeah. If, I mean, we do discover that there's killings left, right and centre off. And it's like, basically, you introduce the characters, don't expect them to last too long. But I thought the first one, I mean, it starts off with Rose Red going up with um, Snow White. It follows like, it's almost like Snow White's naive attempt to patch things up, isn't it? Mm, she figures, yeah. hey, I can go up there and we can, you know, make this work. Yeah, and it's for such a, it's all that contradiction with Snow White, you know, like such a powerful character in both the game and the volume one. But she's such a naive person. You know, she's clever, but naive when it comes to people's emotions and those close to her. Yeah, and she also worries all the time as well. She's She has worries about leaving Bigby in charge um, of the community while she's away. Uh, I would. The farm. <laughs> she's worried about her sister. She's worried about these secret meetings on the farm. When she talks to him, she talks to the three pigs, they're quite clear. You know, there's, this is quite this is the same sort of law where, yeah, you can talk about going back to the homeland and facing the adversary. It's when you start planning it, it goes against the law. But you have to, but you'd have to take steps. It's quite a weird distinction, I thought. Um, whereas she's talking to Dudley the pig, one yeah. of the three pigs, mm. and she's talking to him, and then she says, "All right, you can have a gathering, and you can talk about." Going back to meet first the adversary, mm-hmm. but you cannot plan to go back, which is a very fine distinction because as soon as you start planning, you're going against the law. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, they've, they've got these th- 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 something that we talked about a lot in the first book, and also in um, our discussions about the Wolf Among Us is this sort of running theme throughout uh, the whole story of like the the haves and have-nots. So there's these mm. set rules that cover everyone in Fable Town and the farm. All of the fables you escape. They're all ruled by the same set of laws. Obviously some of them don't adhere to them or whatever. Yeah. But there are those who who can pass amongst humans like Snow White and Rose Red and whatnot and uh, the other characters who can afford to pay for these glamours to make them appear human. And then poor Colin the Pig and all the other fable animals who can't afford it have to just live out their lives on this farm. They can't go and live in Fable Town, but the rules stay that they can't plan going home either. So they're kind of stuck in this sort of limbo. I think we're right when we're saying Dudley says, well, we're trapped, it's a prison. Yeah. But Snow White, Snow White reveals an interesting tidbit because when you look at all the problems in Fable Town, what we're seeing in the game and volume one, mm. it's interesting that 90% of the taxes spent on the farm yeah so that suggests that only 10% are spent on Fable Town so it's, it shows you how run down Fable Town actually is itself 
compared, it seems, to the farm. Because mm. that's getting yeah. 90% of the cash. And all the problems that Snow White seems to leave are just like block drains, got no running water, no electricity, that type of thing. You can see why the farms are just getting all the money. Yeah. Another interesting thing I thought was Flycatcher always seems to be on community service because Bigby keeps catching him eating flies. <laughs> <laughs> and he's put in charge of Jack from the first volume, who's one of the culprits, one of the of the crime. Mm. The first one we're along with Rose Red and he's a bit pissed off that Rose Red gets to go off to the farm as what he sees it a vacation. Snow White sees it as a work trip. It starts off more like the first one, whereas you get a series of mysteries happening. Yeah. You're wondering where the weapons shell casings are coming from, mm-hmm. why they're having meetings. Then you get the killing of Colin and you do suspect that his brothers were involved. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Actually, I thought it was a joke at first that Colin was dead. Yeah, I wasn't but, a very big fan when I turned that page and saw that. I was like, wait, what? But I thought, I mm, thought he was like a major, like, mm, I don't want to say a major part of it, but like you were saying, he was all over um, The Wolf Among Us, the first volume, the first five comics, he was a huge part of that, just always in the background or whatever, you'd always see him, so I was like, oh, okay, cool, like, I, li- I really liked him in Wolf Among Us, so when I turned the page, I was like, no, that it's, it's fake, right? Yeah, I mean, it seems like Fable's quite pleased with their shocking endings, Yep. and that seemed to continue with this one. Oh, what I found interesting was the farm itself, as when you look at the du- two double-page spread, farm's not a farm. It seems to be a hodgepodge of buildings. Yeah. So it's got a pumpkin. It's got actually got a barn. It's got a, like a big manor house, an old castle. It's got the the shoe. Um, shoe. Yeah. Yeah. It's got nice little mushroom um, house. It just seems to be a variety of houses where basically these fables can live out. A nice peaceful existence but far away from everyone else yeah yeah an isolated existence yeah um because they can't pass for human yep and i mean it's got yeah. the, it's got the great quote in the spread too where it says sort of like old mcdonald meets walt disney meets munchkinland hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah there's nothing else oh um buffkin gets pissed yes he does <laughs> yeah it does and that's sort of like that's a continuing thing Fred throughout the story, throughout the, whole, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. he gets drunk mm. with the uh, what's the knight's name? The false one knight. One night, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where's that from? I I've never heard of a false one knight. I don't know. It's not. A, it's not a, from a, a fairy tale I'm familiar with. No. What, what was interesting as well with the contrast between um, Snow White and Rose Red is when we go to bed. So Rose Red basically goes goes to bed in a t-shirt and knickers. Snow White has to get into a pair of pajamas. Mm. Yep. So it's once again highlighting the difference between the two sisters. Yeah. Snow White's a little bit more prim, proper, and I yeah. guess you could say uptight. Um, but apart from that, it was, sets up another set of mysteries, another set of questions, and ends with a shocker. So the synopsis for issue seven is something truly horrible has happened up at the farm, and this time there's no Bigby Wolf on hand to investigate. No one to find answers to all the deadly questions that keep mounting. Why is there an unmarked grave in the woods? And whose is it? Why is Raynette the Fox on the run from everyone from Shere Khan? Why is Snow White in deadly peril and by whom? Why is the Woodlands building flying monkey drunk? And what has that got to do with the sudden prophets of doom from the Forsworn Knight? And finally, 
What's with all the guns? Yeah. <laughs> so, this issue starts us off with Colin's head being dragged um, down from the spike it was at. And it seems to be morning, and Snow White is talking to Dudley, one of the pigs, one of the leaders of the revolution. And what's interesting about the conversation is that but you find out that Bigby is not allowed on the farm because of the Fable Town Charter. Because of his crimes, I'm guessing, back in yeah. the old country. Which is actually quite interesting. Uh, you, later on in the story, I thought it was quite an interesting thing where I'll reveal it where he doesn't do something because of this charter. We find out that there seems to be a peaceful revolution on one side of the revolutionary leaders and we find out the the head of the militant faction. It was quite a surprise. Yeah. And she's Goldilocks. Mm, she's a bit of a she's a bit of a nutcase, really. Just a bit. Just a bit. Yeah. Very trigger happy as well. Fine about this issue is all the mystery you had of issue one essentially comes out in issue two, in the next part, part two of this story. Mm. So there's little sense of continuing the mystery on like the first part and the Wolf Among Us. It's like Right, all the questions, here are the answers. So you find out Colin was killed by Goldilocks. They bury his body. The three bears are part of it. It's it's kind of like a weird twist. Uh, uh, Goldilocks and three bears you met before this book. I didn't, mm. They were in the first one at all. And it's a, it's an interesting little twist on, on the, that story about, like, in you know in the, in the original fairy tale, she, like, breaks into their house and... Mm. Sleeps in their beds and eats their porridge, and then gets chased out by the bears. But in this, in in, in this story, she's the boss, and they're kind yeah. of like her weak underlings that go along with her. Um, yeah. Uh, she gets quite angry if they question her, um, mm. and she's a little bit more of a um, yeah. She's a very very militant, um, take no prisoners sort of revolutionary leader, and she basically killed Colin for not being a true believer um yeah. weak i guess I, th- I think that's the way she describes him as colin being weak yeah she doesn't she makes no bones about it she's not she doesn't hide her main motive does she no. her main motive is is power <laughs> she's not really bothered about the revolution <clears throat> so she's not she's not fussed about going back to the homelands and fighting the ad- adversary no she, she just, just wants that she wants to shape the revolution she she uses the, the uh, like um, she uses and this, I mean, you can draw so many comparisons between this and the Russian Revolution and yeah. various incidents and civil wars that happened in the years after the Russian Revolution before the Soviet Union began, um, of, like, taking the terminology of the revolution, but she's twisting it in in her own favour. Mm. She basically, when the dust settles, she wants to be on top. And she makes no bones about it. Yeah. She's... The- because she's got the power essentially because she's got something up over the three bears and mm. the, the more militant side more powerful more feral yeah i think as as, as they talk about it mm. i mean it's quite funny that she's sleeps with the um little bear and so you got this um where she's considered hu- fully human so she's able to live in fable town mm-hmm. but she's staying up at the farm because she wants to use she sees the free bears and other other fables as a means to power. Yeah, I mean, she wants she wants to come to Fable Town at the head of a revolutionary army, basically. 
Yeah. She wants to dispose of the Snow White's government mm-hmm. and essentially take all the power. Yeah. And she doesn't describe it as a stunt. You know, she says, your cause is my cause. Well, essentially it's a lie. And it's this weird thing where I'm reading it and you're thinking, but she's openly revealing her, her own attitudes. And these fables don't seem to pick up on it at all. You know, the way he's written it. She's quite open about, yeah, I just want power. But she's saying, your cause is my cause. Well, it's not. And the three bears seem to be part of it as well. Hmm. They seem to think, going ahead, yeah, yeah, we're just follower. Yeah, yeah, you get the impression that they're not really thinking for themselves. They just go along with whatever Goldilocks tells them to do. Yeah. Um, That's what she says when when they're going on. Uh, This is uh, a a little way in to the... the, um, the issue after Goldilocks has found the massive stockpile of munitions that they've been hiding uh, ready for their revolution um, and we get the um, the prophecy from the Forsworn Knight that there shall be unto them a great upheaval in the land, the children of the north shall maketh to smite the children of the south, which is basically like the, the farm is up, upstate New York um, yeah. and they're going to march on on Fable Town in 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 New York itself, mm. but then when they go out uh, in the evening to look for, is it they're looking for Reynard, isn't it? The, the fox. Yeah, because, because Reynard. He's seen spies. too much. Yeah, yeah. And Goldilocks is explaining to one of the pigs, I can't remember which one. When all of you leave this world on your quixotic quest, someone has to be left in charge to rule Fable Town, both communities here in uh, here and in the city. And he asks, um, and you plan to be that someone? And she says, "Can you think of anyone more deserving?" Like, she has, she, she is pretty sure that she is the only person who should be the supreme leader. Yeah, delusions of grandeur, very egotistical. Do like the way she's drawn in certain um, scenes, you know, especially in the light. She's given a very evil type of look. Mm. You know, for someone, someone, you know, like Godlocks. What we're used to, someone so innocent. It's a nice twist by Bill. In addition, we've also got Bigby, whereas we have a prophecy of a Force One Night. He doesn't really believe it, he just sees it as something that's happening ongoing. You know, we've linked it to the two sisters, Rose Red and Snow White, but he just seems, well, they've been hiding for centuries. Isn't he still so drunk? Next to, I don't think he's still drunk. Alright. I just think he just hasn't. He just sees things and just. Yeah. recites what he sees. Yeah, and. And Bigby just ignores it, just sees it as, well, this isn't news, this has just been happening for years. So he just ignores it. Mm. You've got more of a Snow White being naive when she's looking for the car keys. And the only line, which is a bit strange, that was only one phone line between Fable Town and the farm. Mm. That seems to be cut. You'd have thought maybe there's a bit more lines going through, but... There's only one phone line, and she just and she doesn't put two and two together. Well, it's showing Rose Red as putting. She's straight on the ball. She knows what, like I said, Mark. She knows what everything's going on, mm-hmm. how it's yeah. going to play out. The way um, Reynold uh, plays Bagheera and Shere Khan off each other was great. Ah, uh, yeah, that was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Kipling animals, the Jungle Book animals. Yep. Um, once again, you see that social divide, don't you? Because um, Shere Khan basically dismisses Bagheera. You know, he just describes him as does a mighty sultan invite a peasant to share his table <laughs> with a long little pamphlet. Yeah. 
That's his quote. And yeah, like you said, Bagheera finds Reynard, mm. and then Bagheera and Shere Khan gets into a tangle. Well, I do like... it's like I, I don't know. I don't think Bagheera finds um, Reynard. Reynard sets it up. Set, Reynard set it up. sets it up so that Bagheera finds him, and then he leads right. him towards Shere Khan in a way that, well, and it, I'm I'm pretty sure he's. As as we've seen with plenty of other characters, it's really really easy to stir up the historical tensions from when they mm. existed back in the old country. Like the historical ten- uh, characters who were enemies in their original fables. So mm. Bagheera and Shere Khan are not friends, uh, and so it's easy. And Reynard knows it's easy to get them to go at each other. So he just sets it up so that that happens uh, as a an easy distraction for him to get away. Yeah, as he says, like it's almost too easy. Yeah, he'd have thought after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, I might have settled down. Mm. Where you just have that much longer to hate them that much more. <laughs> True. I thought that one of the best scenes was um, the old mother from a shoe. The old woman <laughs> lived in a yeah, shoe. that was great. Yeah, yeah. arming her kids. Arming up. <laughs> arming her kids. Yeah. One of the kids going, um, who? Stole my Teflon coated Bagdam rounds. <laughs> That's a good well, one. And then, yeah, just that, epi- that issue just ends with um, Reynard finding Snow White and saying, We need to get the hell out of here. Shit's going to get messy. Yeah. So it wasn't, it was quite an action packed and just with a lot of revelations that issue. Yeah. So the fables at the farm are now in open revolt. And the always practical, always proper Snow White finds herself at the top of a radical's hit list. Her adversaries number in the hundreds, while her only ally seems to be the crass and wily Reynard the Fox. Together to get to the truth, the two fugitives have to make their way to the caves beyond the Valley of the Sleepers. First they have to survive crossing the tall grass which belongs to the ravenous Shere Khan. So this issue starts off with, you know, like um, a famous movie scene where you see the hero arming themselves up, you know, like, like just watching a good thing of, you know, like Commander putting the belt on, locking the pistol. Um, I instantly thought of Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Hot Fuzz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I was like, hey, that's Hot Fuzz right there. <laughs> and yeah, and you find it's Rose Red. Rose Red arming up. And she's gone. They just... She's drunk the Kool Aid. She's gone full revolutionary. Yeah. Yeah. We're. With the bandana. Um, whether she believes in the revolution or whether it's just another way for her to get at her sister. Yeah. Not, yeah, you're not entirely sure. No. And I like the little, uh, is it the little, is it mongoose or raccoon at the bottom with the pirate flag? Yes. And the yeah. cutlass. Yeah. So you can see <laughs> that. To his tail. Yeah. And you see that's a nice little spread and Dudley's asking, got everything you need, Miss Red? Ah, we sort of do me. <laughs> and it then continues where... You see Goldilocks still in charge, um, and now the cat fo- they haven't found Reynard, but what they decide to do is get the hawks and all the birds of prey to stop anyone coming in and stop anyone coming out. Hmm. The line's been cut, the only way you get a message is through a bird. You then see Reynard and Snow White, and I love this partnership, I really do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It was just such a... You'd have these two in a film, wouldn't you? Or just a comic series hmm. together. Uh, Reynard and Fox. It's a like classic that. odd couple thing. Uh, like, Yeah. She's, like I said, very prim and proper and quite uptight and uh, likes to play things by the rules. And Reynard's just... He's a bit fast, a bit loose. Yeah. 
I mean, I hope it's in the new game, you know, season, Wolf Among Us season two. Yeah, we're never going to get a season we're, two. Probably didn't announce it. I don't think. I don't know. I don't know. It's been it's been so long. I don't know if we will. I thought they did announce season two. Possibly. If they did, I, I missed it. So. Sweet, sweet, innocent Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'm going to find this at the end. You can cut this out if, if it's not right. But yeah. I'm going to find it at the end of this show. I will find the link to the new story. Mm. I love it. I love this little thing where, where she's get, Snow White's getting annoyed with Reynard calling her sweetie. And his answer is, ever since I didn't wake up blind and stupid every single day of my life, anymore I can see that you're one hot babe, and who's more qualified than I am to declare you a total fox? On public record, I didn't get off yet, but one lives in hope. Okay, so, um, while we're right here, I, um, I looked it up, and Andy is correct. It was announced in July that, uh, Wolf Among Us Season oh. 2 will oh, be wow. here in, in, uh, 2018 sometime. Hmm. <laughs> I apologize, Andy. Sweet, innocent Andy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Knowledgeable, sweet, innocent Andy. Oh, there you go. I was sure I heard it. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. You were correct, sir. Which makes me happy. Uh, I'm glad to be wrong. Yeah, it was. I mean, it must have been quite a big one for him to go through. Choice because we've had some restructuring, so hopefully it'll be an improvement on some what, what people consider some of the last games, which haven't been to such a high standard. Hmm. Digress. I digress. I'm good at that. I derail things all the time. <laughs> so we see another Fable Dead, Cock Robin. Yeah, I don't even know who that is either. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> no, I don't know. He's just a basically. A I, I don't Robin. know what Fable Reynard the Fox is from either, but you know. No, Cock Robin the Owl. I don't know where the Owl's from either. Uh, Cock Robin is dead. And that's it. Hmm. He, which, which is quite an important event actually, because as we see further on. Um, we see a lot of chatter between Reynard and Snow White. They find um, a weapon that was designed to go on the back of the tortoise, mm. and the hare was to use it, yeah. which I think is um, quite important. But they're unaware that they are being tracked by Shere Khan. So Shere Khan comes out, Reynard starts sniffing around, spots, thinks he gets the scent of Shere Khan, and then Shere Khan attacks Reynard distracts him and bites him the tail. Reminds me of the actual Disney Jungle Book where Shere Khan gets the branch attached to his tail. Oh, the burning the branch. branch, yep. Yeah. yeah. The burning branch. Mm. And um, he, he can't believe that Reynard the Fox actually attempted to um, attack him, which just shows the highly arrogant nature of Shere Khan that he just thinks Reynard's just going to be go past and run away, but he can't believe that Reynard's actually attacked him. Such a mighty beast. Mm. Yeah, and then uh, I guess we, that's where we see um, Snow White climbing up the rock face to get away from um, from Shere Khan, and she stumbles across three giants and a dragon. Yeah, and that love a beautiful double page mm. spread. Then go back to Fable Town, um, and. We see that uh, little boy Blue yeah. put a little watch spell on Cock Robin, um, and that as soon as Cock Robin was killed, as soon as he got to the farm, the little boy Blue knew about it. But it's what really seems to annoy Bigby at first is that he spent some budget on it. Yeah. <laughs> so and this is what I found interesting. Right, Bigby knows that Snow White's there. He knows there's something wrong, but he won't break the charter, will he? He won't break the rule. Where it doesn't seem to fit in. 
with what we know him from the game where he's quite impulsive. He doesn't really want to, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to care about the rules. In this one, he followed the rules. He was in the first one as well, um, mm. but I, th- I, I had a feeling that it's because Snow White has trusted him with looking mm. after Fable Town, and no matter how messed up things are going up at the farm, or how messed up they think things are going up at the farm, he doesn't want to betray Snow White's trust. So no. he's going to play it by the book, even though it probably strains against every fibre of his being. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't seem to show that, does it? No. It just seems to, like, right, I'll just help you around the posse. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe it's that. Maybe I'm maybe I'm reading in too much of it, and he's just like, oh, I really can't be asked. <laughs> <laughs> Got naps yeah. to take. Yeah. Well, he does say suggest hundreds of mile journey. Like, what, what was the point? I'll just send the rest of these guys. I'll just mm. stay here. Easy life. Smoke the cigarettes. Um, we then continue with Shere Khan chasing after Snow White. Mm. Um, Shere Khan's quite arrogant. Um, I do like the artwork where she hits him on the nose. And it says bonk. Bonk. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. so good. And he just falls down. And I love the fact that there's um, Earl's got these animals swearing. So when he falls, she comes falling down. He just goes, bitch. Yeah. Well, we also kind of um, assume at least at this point that Reynard's dead. Yeah. Yep. That would be the assumption. Yeah. Yeah. And Shea Khan just, you know, basically just seemed to suggest that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story and the artwork does convey, you know, that sheer terror what Shea Khan provides because Snow White is in absolute tears when she's been chased up the thing, you know, like we could, if you remember back to the Jungle Book, the mm-hmm. animated and the live action, Shea Khan is this powerful being, powerful tiger. Yeah. Large, larger than a normal tiger, it seems. Mm. And his fable is so powerful, so strong, so his reputation. And Snow White is just in absolute fear. Mm. He, and it's here's that weird, almost power thing, where you got Snow White in power, but she lives in fear of certain of the fables that you know the social structure of fable the fables have created themselves in the earth is highly unstable. Where you've got these powerful beings who are able to go to Fable Town who don't seem to have power. But the lead, even the leaders are scared of them. I just find it's really interesting the thing where she's in actual terror of her life and she strikes. And, but, and then Shere Khan seems to survive the fall, but when it comes back up and basically Snow White goes kill Bill on them. And that's the end of Shere Khan. But then, um, then she kind of breaks down after that as well. Like, yeah. So she's, it's, she's, as a character, she's not really used to this sort of violence. No, it does take a long time to recover. Cause it does, hmm. it's drawn beautifully where the attack happens during the day. It's only like when the sun's setting yeah. that she finally gets the energy and the composure to move up the mountain and find the cave what Reynard the Fox has mentioned beforehand and there she finds Wayland Smith mm. who is working at a smithy and well he's, he's chained up at the smithy yeah yeah he seems to be the one who is making these um, being forced to make these modifications of the weapons for the fables to be able to use yeah and he seems to have a memory loss mm. he doesn't seem to be answering many questions yeah 
but unfortunately for Snow White, she is tracked fair by Rose Red with Goldilocks and all the rever- other revolutionaries. Hmm. And Rose Red places her under arrest for crimes against fable kind. Hmm. And I love, I love the name of a revolution. Council of the Fables Revolutionary Authorities. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a, a reference to some of the weird committees that was that um, committee names that existed in the Soviet Union, and also the um, in the French Revolution, the um, committee that oversaw the mass executions um, in Paris during the French Revolution was called like the Committee for Public Safety, or something like that. Um, <laughs> it's sort of like weird, um, innocuous terms for. What is actually quite something quite terrifying. Yeah, and this, this ending, not quite shocking, but it does leave you wondering hmm. what's going to happen next. Uh, so yeah, issue number nine. Uh, as Snow White and Reynard the Fox run for their lives, Rose Red becomes a revolutionary... Um, trekking through the woods, battling it out with lions, tigers and bears, Snow discovers that country life is even more dangerous than the big city. So, we, see, we ended last issue on... With Snow White being arrested mm. um, for crimes against fable kind, but we see Godlocks, who in the early parts of his story seemed to be the whole power of the whole. Yeah, she's she's got no time for arrests and trials. No, she's like, no, let's just shoot her. Yeah, and she's talking about we'll have, we'll have future show trials in the future, which is once again all about references to the Russian Revolution, and you've got. Um, so many links to the Russian Revolution that mm. I mean, but it is just it's essentially Bill's look on that revolution, yeah, through the use of um, the fables. Mm-hmm. We've got essentially been deciding that Rose Red had a deal to save Snow White and that she would be put on trial, but until then, her life was um, safe and guaranteed, yeah, at, at least until, until she'd been put on trial. Yeah, then we find out a posse, which has got Prince Charming, Buffkin, Bluebeard from the first, um, Volume 1 and the game, mm. and Little Boy Blue have been sent up by Bigby um, to go find out what's going on in the farm. Mm. And you sense that these four four characters together would cause a lot more conflict than it has <laughs> actually been, because it seems quite peaceful when you see him in the Porsche or the car that they're driving. Well, yeah, <laughs> you think like after seeing this, it's just one page of panels of those those characters um, and the driver, yeah. and not all, by yeah. the end of it, all like one, two, three, four, five panels. You're like, uh, yeah. if they make it to the farm without one of them being shot, I'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a very uh, um, cohesive unit. No, you almost think there's going to be. You'd wish that was a hidden uncut like series where you find out what actually went on in, on in this journey well, that's very true because, yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> there's a few hints that you get later on mm. where Bluebeard threatens to shoot by Blue if he plays that trumpet one more time <laughs> <laughs> so it was an interesting it was an interesting um, amalgam of um, characters sent up and then you get this conversation between Wayland Smith who was the previous administrator of the farm and Snow White and we discover here that Wayland has been put on some magic spell which prevents him from 
acting in any way that um, would set him free. But he finds a loophole, and the loophole is an interesting one. Well, it's not so much, it's just, I guess it was just an oversight when they put the spell on. Yeah. It was like, he can't do anything um, to free himself. He's forbidden mm. by this spell from doing anything to free himself. But I guess they didn't expect that the need to cover anyone else and so he's like he's perfectly able to free Snow White but isn't that technically freeing himself as well because when we discover later on that the key that he made to free Snow White is actually the key to free himself which is a great reveal mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah so essentially he does free himself mm. but not directly uh, though yeah indirectly yeah. frees himself yeah I don't know magic well, uh, may be a grey area <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we didn't cover like directly and indirectly. You cannot free yourself. Mm. But yeah, it was it was it was a good reveal. I did like the reveal and how he made it. And once again, you see the weakness of Snow White that she tried everything. She hit his foot. <laughs> just... So good. He gets so pissed off. And it's only when we discover that Reynard the Fox is still alive and comes up to the cave. Mm. But he has the idea, well, why didn't you try the key that's here? <laughs> that you used to free yourself. While that's going on, we get a little four-panel spread of the other fables who didn't take part in this revolution, mm. led by, I presume, it's Aslan. Their plan is, if you don't find Snow White, we're going to piss off, we're running away. The good, or at least the good and morally strong. Um, yeah. Characters who don't want uh, fables, who don't want to get, who don't want any part of the revolution. I do love the fact that they're rounding up these people, and you, so they go to the bully goats gruff, like you've mentioned. Mm. Um, so, so the rabbit goes, "Good morning, Bill. The Grand Revolution Authority invites you to, invites you to take part in a big rally in the village centre at noon." And then <laughs> the other guy goes, "Attendance is mandatory." Yeah. So. You've got an invitation which suggests it's you know you've got a choice, but in actual fact, no, you haven't. <laughs> and then we've got um, Snow White with a white flag, as the fable revolutionary fables all armed to the teeth. I mean, Pussy Boots is part of this as well. Are about to um, embark on the trip to Fable Town. Yeah. And she's got a white flag, and. Basically, she says, I'm never outgunned. Then she reveals her weapons. The dragon, mm. who I'm not sure of, and the three giants, who all take part in this little um, attempt at stopping the revolution. And then we see the posse arriving, which they seem to have arrived pretty quickly. And we do get a shocking ending. The shooting and it's really, really well drawn and it does look dramatic. You've got blood coming out of one end, one head, back of a head, and blood coming out from the front of the head, and it's Snow White being shot by Godlocks. Mm. It's probably more shocking than Colin. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, Godlocks did say they should just shoot her. <laughs> I'm not agreeing with it, but like, <laughs> yeah. in terms of um, what the revol what these revolutionaries wanted, they probably should have just shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean it would have been easier. They saved them a lot of trouble, less hassle. They would have had 
not with other people chasing after her, but they've had to put up with the fact that she got a dragon and she would she got the um, the giants, the giants well, involved. Yeah. But at the end of this issue, imagine, imagine if I was reading it on a monthly basis, I'd be like bollocks. I can't wait for the next issue now because this is like major major deal. You know, the killing of Snow White, who you've been following essentially for nine issues now, who does seem to be one of the major characters in the Fables. And yeah, we've seen Fables killed off left, right, and center, but this is one of the big ones. Like you were saying earlier, like Shere Khan, for example, he got killed and he's apparently dead, dead, and she got just shot in the head, so is Snow dead, dead? I mean, obviously, with the like the next issue, we know that's not the case. But I just like the <laughs> what happens with the um, um, the the posse that's sent from Fable Town. Yeah, hurrying there as fast as possible. But um, uh, Bluebeard complain that they had to, or um, characters complain that they had to stop to get food, and they're basically just <laughs> had what seems like a very bad-tempered argumentative trip as fast as they can go from Fable Town to try and shut down the revolution and when they get there it's like oh right well <laughs> they say like oh we came to rescue you <laughs> but we have to remember that one of them is ex- her ex-husband yeah Prince Charming mm. um, the other one was accused is, is considered a, one of the villains of Fable Town yeah. and the other one's because he's just a little trumpet boy. And a drunken monkey. Yeah, and a drunken monkey. Mm. Not exactly what you'd say hero material. No, no, not exactly. If if you were seriously in dire need, not exactly who you'd want to see turning up to rescue you. <laughs> but it is funny, it mm. is funny. But apart from that, it's quite an action-packed issue. It's quite fast-paced. Um... The revolution was alive, mm. and then it stopped pretty <laughs> damn quick. It's not as if it's like a continuation, you got little pockets, but um, it's pretty stopped quick with the dragon and the three giants. And it's that ending, though, that just it goes, oh shit, what happens next? And so we move to the final part. Yep, and uh, Fables number 10, um, part 5. The revolt at the farm has been suppressed. The revolutionary is quelled. Goldilocks remains on the loose since her seemingly fatal shooting, but the rest of the dis- dissidents have been tried and sentenced. The ex- executioner's axe is sharp and swift as the fables learn what true justice means. The opening scene is this. We see the return of Colin. Kind oh, of. Colin's head. Bit of Colin. Colin's <laughs> head. <laughs> yeah. Colin's head. Um, and it's... Leans one of those meta conversations where Snow White is essentially talking to Colin, mm. who's dead within her own mind, and basically Colin's saying, "Well, I'm not entirely convinced you are dead yet. You've got that still holding onto her last shuddering breath look about you." <laughs> we uh, and we do see a picture of Snow White on a bit of like land, which is in the middle, seems to be of the middle of a white background. Mm. Colin's stake is a bit of land and we're talking with each other Snow White's got a bandage around her head um, so we think oh it's a bit strange and you, you do you know if you're aware of these stories you, are, you do get the idea that she's within her own mind she's talking to herself and as we turn over we see Snow White in a hospital mm. 
um, just coming out of a coma. And she's been in a coma for six weeks. And who do we see being there? You know, just, just so happens because um, all King, that King Cole's had to go, you know. We've had Bigby. And basically, we we do a bit of a, a recap. It's like, yeah, what's really this happened. is what happened well. And essentially, it was stopped. We've got the boy Blue, Bluebeard, and ex-husband taking control. Um, Bluebeard threatening to um, kill Boy Blue if he blows that trumpet once more. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I might, I might forget you're on our side. We've got Buff King chasing after the chicken who says the chicken was innocent, was framed. Oh, in my heart, I was always with the fables rather than revolutions and then you've got we don't see anyone taking care of snow we've got the posse all chasing after goldilocks yeah you know, there's a little freight picture of reynard prince charming buffkin little boy blue and Waylon smith all looking for goldilocks rather we don't see anything happening with snow white so we don't really know well it's it's kind of explained a little bit um uh Bigby explains that they've been taking it in turns looking after her, um, and uh, I don't know who who uh, Bigby and uh, King Cole and presumably at least one other person were taking turns because he says that um, later on um, that he he looks after her every third looks after her every third day. So I can presume there was three of them taking it in turns to look after her while yeah. she was recovering. Um, Bigby, King Cole, and I don't know who the third one is. It just seems to show about that nobody seemed to seem to care for snow. It just seems right. right let's get gold locks. Let's put this revolution down, and then oh, Snow White's been shot. Well, they left it all to the the posse that was sent up there, and um, <laughs> the old mayor of the of the farm, and the giants sort of take control and start. Uh, yeah. Sentencing the revolutionaries to a variety of sentences for hard labour. Mm. Except for, uh, of course, the ringleaders. Yeah. Well, three of the ringleaders. Goldilocks has uh, disappeared. Nobody yeah. knows where she is. Um, she can't go back to th- the homeland because of the adversary. But mm. she could end up going back to Fable Town. Um, she could because she can. She can pass. She, she stayed on the farm of her own free will. Not because yeah. she had to. But what's just interesting about the um, Goldilocks is that the ad- adversary seems almost as pissed off about her than um, as the Fables are. So she seemed to have been this really good, famous warrior that seemed to take the fight to the adversary. Possibly, yeah. I mean, I don't know too much about... I presume more of the backstory is revealed in later issues of Fables, but I haven't read enough of it to, um, to, to know yet. That's, Bible, that's, that's the impression that's you get. Yeah. It's just that she was as much of a troublemaker to the adversary um, as she yeah. is in uh, on the farm. Yeah, so you suggest me either she's a really good fighter against the adversary or she might have been on his side mm. I mean, turns. Yeah. Maybe. Knows, but Maybe. No, no. Yeah, I can't remember. Just... I read through all the way up until the end of the adversary war but I can't recall right. where she falls into it either. Well, it's interesting to find out with these little tidbits that are thrown in. Um, we find out that Snow has been recovering at the hospital of Knights of Malta. 
which is interesting. Mm. That maybe they have some sort of link to the fables that have been paid mm. with that little hint of the relationship between Big B and um, the wolf. Mm-hmm. Where she's bored out of my mind and help me break out of here and I'm yours forever. <laughs> and that somebody's giving it, you see, you see in the hospital room where somebody's giving her like flowers and cards and then there's a pumpkin there as well. We see Big in what's going on and we see, like I said, the revolutionary leaders. Essentially, they went up to the um, posse, well, Little Boy Blue, Prince Charming and Bluebeard and they had to say, any mitigation, mitigating factors against their sentence. So you see King Louis of Jungle Book coming up. And he's charged with actively aiding the revolutionaries, but not one of the ringleaders. He took part in the hunt for Snow White. And did he dispute him? He doesn't dispute him, so he gets 20 years of hard labour reduced to 5 years. I mean, where does 20 years of hard labour go? Um, too sure. Well, what does 20 years of hard labour mean to characters that are unless killed are immortal anyway? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's been a weird one. Also, um, they started a revolution because they felt like the farm was a prison. Yeah. So they're punished by giving hard labour on the farm <laughs> that they already think is like a prison. <laughs> yeah, uh, most of the revolutionaries are given various forms of hard labour uh, except for the ringleaders. Uh, the the yeah. two remaining of the three pigs who I guess have to suffer the same fate that poor Colin did and have their heads cut off. Well, that was quite um, severe in the outlook where you got this idea that these fables are, should stick together. There's not many of them. You know, they're not a massive community overall. Mm-hmm. But there's, instead of giving hard labour, there's a sense of, right, you went against the rules, right, off with the head. It's quite a, fi- a finality thing yeah. with them. So I find that quite a struggle to get through with a society whereas the, re- the revolutions were talking about killing off all the ones who didn't support them. The fables who survived and the leaders of posse themselves like saying, well, right, all the, all the revolution leaders, you're going you're gonna to get killed. We're just going to kill you off, and that can never, this can never happen again. It's quite I guess severe. It's a I case think. of like set an example that um, this is what happens to those who dissent. True, but there must have been some sort of dissent over these hundreds and hundreds of years we've been on Earth. You know, these fable characters would have they've got these feelings, and they must have dissented at some point in the past. Yeah, but I think it's more of that they actively imprisoned people and took up arms against others of fable kind you know what i mean so whereas before it was probably just meetings and whatnot now they're like all right well we're gonna they took they imprisoned whalen and made him make all them weapons and then like all right we're gonna go after whoever we're gonna go after so it seems maybe a little bit more extreme on this front than perhaps in the past where they were just like, all right, we're just gonna go on strike and not do anything, and you guys can figure it out, or something, something more, more or less tame than active armed conflict. Mm. Yeah, and it doesn't sound like a good death. Like you said, the pigs are gonna get killed, and I quite f- find it funny that the uh, one of the pigs it took him ten chops to chop the head off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this issue is more of a slow issue. It's more of the flashbacks to what happened. 
or what's happening elsewhere. And it's just the it's just a general talking panel after panel of between Bigby and Snow White. Um, it's winter, so it's been so it's been two months have passed. We see Snow White slowly getting back to her feet, um, going back. She talks about her sister, and she wonders how that happened. And Bigby basically fills her in and says that her sister Rose Red saved her. Now, I read this and I thought that's quite convenient. Because you could have think of it two ways. You have think that Rose Red played through the revolution is and saved her sister, or she took advantage that her sister was um, shot and spinned this yarn that saying that she was just leading the revolution is on, but in actual fact, she did. I think she might have believed in the revolution. Was she- I don't think she. I don't think she believed in the revolution. I don't think um, she's not like Goldilocks or the, the or the two no. pigs. She just wanted to belong. Yeah. To something, like she's obviously has serious problems with her sister. Um, mm. She has serious problems with the fact that. Snow White is the more remembered, the more revered um, of the two characters amongst the Mundies, as they call them, the regular humans. So she's always felt yeah. out of place, I guess, um, inferior to her sister. Her sister runs Fable Town, and what does she do? She kind of gets drunk and parties a lot and doesn't really have a purpose. Um, and so with the revolution, she felt the chance to belong to something uh, I don't think she cared what it was what they were fighting for it was just a chance to to oppose her sister to have some, to hold some power to, to be important um, to be at the centre of, of something to yeah. have her own identity yeah essentially because yeah. you see that Sense in the, the conversation at the end of this one where she's explaining that how Snow White didn't die because she's so beloved by the by the Mundies that she can't. Um, whereas if she'd if if Red Rose Red had been shot, she'd just be dead because the the regular people have just forgotten about her as a as a as a fable. And so yeah. she just wanted something, some sort of purpose, which is I guess what she gets. I suppose she does. Yeah. But- is it a, so? The, do you think the purpose was just to basically see what happens and play along, and I'll save my sister. I don't really want to, my sister to die. Well, she, she didn't. I don't think she ever wanted her sister to die. Um, she wanted. She wanted to punish her sister for for some perceived like like she, like she says to Goldilocks earlier on. Like she doesn't want her to die at least until she's been put on trial. Like she wanted. Yeah. She wanted, I guess, she wanted to put her on trial to to hold some power over her, um, to maybe humiliate her, some have some power over her sister. But she doesn't. But it, but she's still her sister. I don't think she yeah. wanted her to die. I mean, this is it. Like you said, like you described, and this is part of the issue why Snow White survives. Like you said, the Mundies believe millions and millions of humans believe in Snow White, mm. and that's why she survived. But don't millions and millions of people believe in free picks? Maybe not as much as Snow White. Don't millions of people believe in Shere Khan? 
I don't know. I just find it a very convenient hey, it's, thing. Where it's a comic book about yeah. fables living in real the real world, man. You gotta, but, you gotta just su- suspend disbelief uh, at the least other a bit. Th- the thing with the three pigs, though, is their heads were removed from their body, mm. and right. I think it might be one of those things, like you know, like Highlander. the myth with. Yeah. <laughs> so if you separate the head from their body, they can't really get better from that. <laughs> they can't grow another one. Correct. Uh, it's, it's, it's more than a flesh wound. There can be only yeah. one. Um, yeah, possibly that could that could that could be it. Yeah. Um, I, 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 maybe just a combination of that, and also like Shere Khan is not exactly the the a beloved central protagonist of the jungle book he's the villain sure. well, maybe you could find one per- some people enough people adoring him to heal one or two wounds <laughs> yeah, yeah but maybe. you see you have to you have to chalk it up for Shere Khan he got shot a lot and then fell yeah. from a great height too so it wasn't just True. he got shot he also fell yeah ah he probably sure. had enough to survive a fall because he came back from a fall because he fell yep, twice exactly yep yeah yeah but not enough adoration to survive the bullets. No. Correct. That's it. That's quite an interesting way. I'd like to see how, discover how that plays out in the future for mm-hmm. certain characters. Because Goldilocks is a beloved character, wouldn't you say? Maybe not as powerful as Snow. Maybe not as much as Snow White. But yeah, she, she, she's she not it. dead though, is she? She's no, she's not on the run. We end the story with meeting between Wayland and Snow White and this is quite an interesting twist and we see this development of Snow White where she starts off the story of Animal Farm being very naive we see very um, naive moments where she doesn't realise where the car keys have gone um, she can't see what this, what's going on in front of her like Rose Red um, and we see her develop where she's killed Shere Khan She's survived this mortal wound, and she here she asks Wayland to continue converting the weapons that the revolutionaries have started have been using to so that the fables can use them because she predicts in the future that the adversary is going to appear or they're going to go back to the lands, and she wants an edge over him, and she. It's, and she keeps this secret from, I think, from everyone else. Yeah, it's, it's sort of, yeah, she's she's planning a yeah. potential at some point in the future attempt to reclaim their homeland. Yeah. So that's quite an interesting twist where this Snow White, you see white of a white character, very naive. She's getting into the hidden plots. Yeah. Death. Yeah. Uh, Short term death changed her. She's also, I think, she's just becoming more politically savvy, uh, more uh, p- perhaps more willing to get her hands a bit dirty. Yeah. Or be a little bit clandestine. Yeah. Mm. So not Snow White anymore, Snow Grey. Yeah. Snow <laughs> Off White. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she can't get her stain out. Mm. So we also see a confrontation between Snow White and Rose Red. I mean, we find out essentially why um, Rose Red was so pissed off because Snow White left her for Prince Charming mm. and didn't come and get her straight away. Which is such a childlike thing to get angry at. Mm. And then 
it shows you the maturity level of almost Rose Red that she was never able to go beyond that, you know, that, that, that period of time, you know, whether it's months or years, would it, she's never able to say, right, that was just then, you know, she came back for me eventually, mm. which no White says she did, but she's still got that holding on to that anger, and it seemed to be, I think here, that Rose Red held on to that anger for so long it became a major part of her. Yeah. And it's, also nice to see this character development where I think she's been in charge of a farm while Snow White's been um, in the coma and she's um, developed it, led it really well and she's almost found her new calling and she also sees herself now as being an equal with Snow White, she felt an inferiority complex. Mm. That was really good, that was really well handled, you see a lot of anger from Rose Red and then really the final bit is what to do with the dragons and the giants because we haven't got really a spell big enough to hide them from the normal humans and they can't stay on the farm all the time because they seem to be eating the farm uh, all the farm resources yeah they, they so, don't they don't want to go back to the valley of the sleeping giants and go back to no. sleep again no so you've got um three new pigs so the giants have turned into three little pigs yep and the um, dragon is turned into a crow. Fire-breathing crow. <laughs> yes, fire-breathing crow. <laughs> Which is really good. And I think it ends on a bit of a somber note, doesn't it? Where Snow White cries at everything that's happened, mm. but also for the loss of Colin the pig. Yeah. Colin had hidden means had a hidden mission but never went ahead with it no it's almost like he was a reluctant um like compatriot or whatever that's why he wanted to stay with stay there because it's like hey if i don't if i don't go back then i don't have to worry about this i can just stay where i am yeah he doesn't yeah. have to get involved yeah yeah like like colin would never ever admit it but deep down he's actually quite a good guy yeah yep it showed it. And that's the end of the story, and that was the end of volume two mm. of Fables. So, final thoughts, guys, what do you think about this? Well, um, the first book was kind of. Um, it's always difficult when you're setting up such a unusual world like this. Is the f- the first book has to can only really tell a story to to establish the characters and to it's the same problem whenever you get an origin movie of a um you know like a origin movies in the marvel cinematic universe first half of the film is yeah. here's a establishing of these characters uh, and then they have to overcome something and you don't really get into the meat of oh. anything until the second part the, the second part of the story second book this is where um so the first book was was telling a story in order to establish these characters and establish this world mm. whereas this feels like where it's beginning to set out what the overarching story of fables is going to be what the overarching themes um the, the yeah. struggles the tensions um it, it feels like the beginning of something grander rather than just a contained story yeah yeah I mean, I could see that. I could see like little drop 
tidbits of information you see like I mentioned earlier about the 90% of the taxes spent on the farm you can see why Fabletown is such a shit heap mm-hmm. you know why people are always complaining you start getting the fact that Snow White is preparing for the adversary coming and you know well you've read up to that point Nick where the adver- adversary war so you know you can see Bill planning their heads setting little stones little foundations where you're going to hit the points I can foresee the return of Goldilocks at some point you know she's a nice little villain Mm. but um, I'd like to see what happens with her Um, I thought the the killings was quite um, devastating you get the you know you got Shere Khan dead you've got all the three pigs dead this is death after death after death that these fables can be killed hmm. you get more of a sense of the fact that it's very uneasy social structure you know there's a lot of people see still see themselves as high and mighty whereas they're not in this world you've got um, power struggles fables are still powerful Shere Khan was, was a powerful fable and then you're going to discover more I suspect more going to discover more powerful fables it's it's a very uneasy society that it seems like one push either way is very close to collapsing in on itself but just seems to struggle through i don't want to say too much about basically too much you know what i mean because like i said i've read further ahead so i don't want to be like oh well yeah and then this happens like oh well that doesn't happen for like four more books but like you're saying um like mark said about you know book one was kind of okay here's the world we're in book two gives us more of a okay you you know what the world we're in and this is some more of that intrigue with how you have the characters not really not everyone thinks it's great and whatever because they have to live far away from everybody because they don't look like you know what would pass as normal in our world or whatever um i don't know i've been thinking about it and i think like I mean, they did Game of they've done Game of Thrones with HBO. It's like hey, HBO, why don't you look at Fables and do a Fables series? That'd be kind of cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I can I can agree with that too with that eh, sentiment. <laughs> um, but I mean, the way they like you know drawing the parallels, like you guys were saying with the um, the different uh, revolutionary like revolutions and whatnot, the way that like the whole thing played out. It might like I read them kind of okay. I put down book one, picked up book two, finished that, did book three. Like so, I didn't wait between any of like the first, however many is through the whole war. So it's to me it's like differentiating between what took place in volume one versus volume five. You know, like I've had the book in front of me today, so I could like yeah. look at certain things. You know what I mean? Mm. But um, reading it kind of as one chunk was kind of cool, and the way it since it's. Um, he did the, the whole series you know what i mean he it's like okay i'm gonna start here and he got to plot it out the whole way instead of with a lot of comics where you have someone jumping in like okay you know this guy was writing spider-man now he's off to write something else now we have to have yeah. someone else write spider-man it's the same yeah. writer through the whole yeah. thing so you can leave those little breadcrumbs it's like and now like two books from now it's like oh yeah he talked like this was talked about like you know so so long ago and like it it all plays out nicely like that the little breadcrumbs led throughout like from issue one all the way through mm. that's very good mm. yeah there's, a, there's more of a sense of ownership on it having um one one author throughout the whole thing yeah mm. yeah 
Did um, I know we we talked a lot about the um, analogies to um, Animal Farm, uh, the George Royal book, which is of course a, a, a oh. parable about uh, what can so easily go wrong uh, in a oh. commun in in communism. Um, did anyone else notice the, uh, the the few overt references to Lord of the Flies? No. Um, well, well, I know one of the issues has the title of like a Lord of the Flies type of thing. Yeah, uh, Goldilocks at one point she 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 makes a comment about how they're marooned on on they've been marooned on the island long enough, um, and that savage any savagery that occurred as a result is a consequence of our unfair imprisonment. Right. And then also Colin's head on a stick is like okay. the, the, a pig's head on a stick is straight out of Lord of the Flies as well. But it is it is beginning to. Uh, I mean, I really need to 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 push on and read some more of the books because it is uh, yeah. it's on top of it's it's a really really. Uh, we talked about this in the when we covered the first book, and we also talked about it when we were talking when we were um, covering The Wolf Among Us. It's like a really really interesting concept of taking this bizarre world building um, scenario of here's a bunch of fables and mythical creatures and, and fairy tale monsters living a chase from their homeland and living in in the real world as a basis yeah. to make comments on quite serious sociological and political issues yeah. yep. but what you see what you see as well is this you expect the fables to come in and rule the world or be powerful beings, but they're not. Their society, like I said, is on the brink. It's a society that's got by hundreds and hundreds of years, but always is struggling the way through. Mm -hmm. It's what what we might call um, in what would we saw a human a human society like that. We'd call it the end of it. Yeah. You know, this one just seems to be. It's not. It's not progressing as such, but. Maybe it's stagnating. It seems like an old man just staggering along, you know, like bouncing from. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I think that's what a lot of the characters feel as well. Is they just they just yeah. simply exist, and that's yeah. and that's it. They have yeah. No since they were driven from their homeland, they have they have no purpose other than to just exist. No. There's no progression. There's no advancements. There's no purpose. Yeah. So you can sense that. Yeah, like I say, there's, they just exist. Mm. So what is the point? Let's do something, and you get that feeling coming through from this one of the previous episode in Fable Town Down the Farm. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, after hundreds and hundreds of years, they're pissed off. They want to do something more, whether it's against. The humans, and or whether it's their adversary, they need to do something. Hmm. So, and like they were all, they were driven, driven from their homeland, but then half, yeah. half of them, or more than half of them, had to be segregated, live in, in a segregated society, away from the more uh, affluent members of Fable Town. Yes, yeah, so you've got this. This secondary group of um, fables who weren't, uh, who uh, yeah, having to live segregated society and they're living to, having to live separately. They're not allowed to live in the world with the uh, of the Mondays. They're not allowed to live with the more affluent um, uh, members of of the fable society. Uh, and so, regardless of 
whatever their social standing was back in the old country or their, in, in their homeland, they're now living in yeah, living basically living in a prison, and it's this it's this discontinued um, feeling uh, the tension between those the haves and the haves nots. I mean, we saw it quite a lot in the Wolf Among Us. Uh, not not just problem between those in Fable Town and those on the farm, but people in Fable Town who were living at the bottom of the the bottom rungs of the ladder in Fable Town, uh, and those living at the top. Yeah, but. We see also that these people can't get beyond the cat. They're trying to hold on to what they had before. Yeah, and they, they themselves can't progress. Yeah, they, themselves. as try as they might, they can't move on. They can't move past the 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 the, the, the struggles that that existed in the homeland. The, the struggles that defined mm. them as fables. Yeah. So they're continuing this, and it's a weird hodgepodge. Of society where there's no clear who's on top and who's below, and it's just it it's it's, it's just a t- total mess. It seems, mm. and you almost get a feeling now with the fact that Snow White survived because of the adoration of humans. That humans have a direct impact on this world. Yeah, you know, whereas in in a way, yeah, in 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 terms of some of them are uh, adored, or you know, without ever knowing mm. that they really exist, adored by humans or the Mundies mm. as they're known, and and some of them are not, and so some of them have more power in that terms, in in those terms as well. Yeah. So it's a fascinating world, and you know. This tale itself was quite fast-paced. I thought. Yeah. Um, I thought you get you got the revolution over and done with quite quickly, mm. and the last issue was a bit of a tying loose ends up and then leading into the next volume, mm. which I'm looking forward to read. Yeah, me too. Like I said, it's a great like reading it all is a great it's a great read overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last issue, like you're saying, is a lot of exposition. Is like okay, well. We're going to fill in the audience as well as Snow as to what's been happening in the six weeks that she's been unconscious. Mm-hmm. So it, was, it, it worked out pretty well. Um, yeah. And the, and the build up into, okay, now what's going to happen going forward between Fabletown and the farm. So, yeah, it's good stuff. The only thing I would say about it is that at no point when she was explained to, she, she's like... Um, so yeah, while you've been unconscious, you know that posse we sent up there, they decided to start handing out sentences and you know did right. <laughs> they did a couple of executions. Uh, oh, and we've put your sister in charge of the farm. Hope yeah. you're all right with that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And who made those decisions? Who put her in charge? She must have just taken it up on herself. Yeah. It's just like who wants the job. Nobody. (laughs) So that's the end of our second um, Ballyhoo into Fables. Um, I expect there will be a third when we when we do a volume three. Um, I will try. I won't promise, but I will try to keep it down less than eighteen months. Yes, (laughs) Um, because eighteen months reading these comics might take us until we are sixty before we start to finish. And I don't think I'll be. Um, my voice might not be so well at 60 but we'll try and speed these up um, but I'd like to thank Nick and Mark um, Nick as a guest anything you'd like to plug on like Twitter 
I mean, I'll say my Twitter, but I don't have anything to plug. I'm not that interesting. All I do is listen to podcasts. So, uh, <laughs> but my my Twitter is laneit360. It's L A N E I T three six zero. But yeah, I mean, you can follow me if you want. All you're gonna see is a lot of uh, hashtags of I love podcasts as I dis- um, tweet out the. 10-ish hours of podcasts I've listened to that day. That's pretty much what I do. Where can we find you, Mark? Um, right here on Laps Gamer Radio. Yeah, um, and your Twitter. Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Damocles693. Find me at Andy Piddy, and you can find additional content by us the LGR, the LGR website at lapsgamer.com. You can find us at Lapsgamer on Twitter if you get in touch with us. You can find us on Podbean, which I take it you have done if you're on android or anywhere else or through the iphones and download us and i'll tell you what go listen to episode 26 and 24 which were our early ones into fable universe Mm. i just like to say thank you for joining me mark and nick thank you thank you very much so long and farewell bye bye bye